Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million families building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. That's greenlight.com slash odyssey. Coming up. In these cases, it gives hope that private citizens can also play a major role in helping figure out what may appear to be some of the most impossible cases to solve in our country. For Vault Studios, I'm Reed Redmond. You're listening to The Daily Crime. Nearly 45 years ago, the bodies of a man and woman were discovered shot to death on the side of a highway in Sumter County, South Carolina. Deputies say they were hitchhikers, but were found murdered along I-95 in August of 1976. It was very shocking for something like that to happen here in Sumter. Um, It was almost unfathomable. You know, you just, you wouldn't think something like that would happen. And um, you you just wondered why and who. It's a case that stumped local investigators who've worked on it over the years. Daddy didn't bring his work home with him, but on certain cases, um, you knew that his heart hurt, and I knew his heart hurt for for these um, two young people. He just wanted closure for them, even though he knew that their families didn't have it. But finding their killer wasn't the only challenge for investigators, who, for over four decades, were unable to identify the two victims. That is, until earlier this year. Tonight, after more than 44 years, an unsolved mystery out of Sumter County is a mystery no more. Alicia Niaves joins us from WLTX News 19 in Columbia, South Carolina, to discuss the recent news in this decades-old case. Alicia, is it safe to say this story is one of the more surprising you've covered in your career? Absolutely. How many times... Does a reporter cover a case that's, you know, over 44, nearly 45 years old, where a couple, a pair, has not been identified? I feel like that's just the, the number one thing that's, that's so crazy to us is that with all of this new technology, you know, these days, they weren't identified. So it absolutely is one of the craziest stories I've ever covered. We're going to talk more about the recent news in this case, of course. But for now, take us back to where it started 44 years ago. Walk me through the discovery of these two bodies. So August 9th, 1976, in the Lynchburg area, that's eastern Sumter County here in the Midlands in South Carolina, a trucker was driving down a dirt road. This is right off I-95, major interstate in the U.S. on the East Coast, and As he's driving down this dirt road, he notices two bodies on the side of the road. These bodies were were not concealed, whoever shot them, because when he discovered them, he found out that these two people were dead. Um, Their bodies were not concealed. Whoever shot them multiple times did not make an effort to uh, hide them. When investigators came out, and they actually took a closer look at the bodies. I mean, both of them, this man and this woman, were shot execution style. Hmm. To the back of the head, uh, to the chest. 
And again, it appeared that whoever killed them just ran off. It's difficult because this pair, this man and this woman did not have any identification on them. So investigators had no idea who they were. They, you know, took notes on what this couple was wearing. They tried to find any clues, right? And one important thing the coroner noticed is that both had expensive dental work done. So that kind of gave the coroner a clue that maybe this pair was well-to-do. But after investigators couldn't figure out who they were, they circulated their pictures, their a sketch of both of them nationwide, and no one ever identified them. No one ever called in to say, hey, that's my sister. That's my daughter. That's, you know... No one ever identified them until January 2021. There are just so many unknowns. And in most of the cold cases we've covered on this podcast, the mystery or the unknown element is, of course, who perpetrated the crime. But this case is a little different in that we have two big mysteries. The first being exactly that, who killed these two people. But then on top of that, we have this other huge mystery of who these people are in the first place. Why did investigators have so much difficulty determining the identities of these two victims? Was it just the technology they were working with? That's what it seems like. In the 70s, we just didn't have that forensics technology like we have now. So they figured that maybe if we circulate sketches of these two nationwide, someone has to say something. But no, no one ever said anything. It's not like we, you know, it's not like social media these days. You put a picture online, someone's going to say something. Um, right. But no, uh, you're absolutely right. That was, that was probably the biggest factor in, in not identifying this pair is just the technology. They kept hitting dead ends. And so in the earlier stages of this investigation, were there any leads into a possible suspect who might've killed these two unidentified people? So this, these murders happened at a very interesting time in Sumter County. Um, the Pee Wee Gaskins murders of the 60s and 70s had just happened. So the Sumter community had really been through a lot. And then prior to that, a state lawmaker's daughter had been kidnapped and killed in Sumter. So when this popped up, honestly, this probably would have been an afterthought if this couple was identified, right? But um, speaking to Pee Wee Gaskins, a lot of people were like, hey, you know, did he do it? He killed a hundred people already. Were, were these, you know, two more of his victims. But Pee Wee Gaskins was already in prison for another murder at the time, so he was kind of ruled out. In 77, uh, so a year after the murders, a man was arrested in Lattice, South Carolina. He was arrested for drunk driving, uh, but investigators did find a revolver in his vehicle that was later proven to be that murder weapon after being test-fired by investigators, but... They just didn't have enough evidence to charge that man with these murders. They couldn't prove that he was the one who shot and killed this man and woman on August 9th, 1976. And after that, um, the case went cold. The coroner told us last week, coroner Robbie Baker out of Sumter County told us last week, he didn't say exactly when, but he said a serial killer in Texas who before being put to death admitted to killing a man and a woman off I-95 in South Carolina years ago. So authorities are now following up on that. 
Sumter County Sheriff Anthony Dennis said they do have a person of interest and they're following up on that as well. Want to teach your kids financial literacy but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. Jumping ahead a few decades into the 2000s, there are a whole bunch of developments. At some point, the bodies are actually exhumed, and eventually a, a man, a private citizen named Matthew McDaniel would start looking into this case. Walk us through that timeline and what eventually drew this man toward this mystery. At the time the bodies were found, a woman named Verna Moore was the deputy coroner. She was also a newspaper photographer at the time, but then she became coroner after these murders happened. So she decided to look into the case even more. So in 2007, she was the one who decided to exhume the bodies of the Sumter John and Jane Doe. They were able to get the DNA samples from there, but they just were not able to identify them for whatever reason, technology reasons. They, She left no stone unturned. She worked for years and years to try and identify this couple. I think 33 years to her death, she worked on this case. It wasn't until about eight years ago, a man from Clemson, South Carolina, by the name of Matthew McDaniel, took an interest in this case. And this is unprecedented that two people are murdered and never identified. Since he learned about Sumter's John and Jane Doe, Clemson resident Matthew McDaniel couldn't stop searching for answers. I think it's probably the cold, calculated, execution-style type of murder that it was, and the fact that it was a couple, a man and a woman. He's a volunteer with a passion for advocating for the voiceless. For eight years, he's worked with Sumter investigators to track down leads and even created a website dedicated to the cold case. Ever since I kind of started working that lead, I've kind of got the bug and obsessed with the case and kept going, kept investigating. He is just, he calls himself a victim's advocate volunteer. And he read up on this case and he just decided, you know what, I'm going to do my own independent investigation. He's not a PI. He's a private citizen who just took interest in this case. So he decided to read up on this case, the Sumter John and Jane Doe. He did his own interviews on this and he kept coming up to a dead end because this couple was not identified. So he hit that dead end and was looking at another case of a missing couple out of Washington state. And he thought that this missing couple from uh, Washington state could be the Sumter John and Jane Doe. So he says, hey, uh, Sumter County Sheriff's Office, can you guys help me? Maybe we can send the DNA sample of this John and Jane Doe to the DNA Doe Project in Texas. Maybe they can help identify them. And so they sent the DNA samples over to Texas And they did. They identified them as uh, 25-year-old Pamela Mae Buckley, 30-year-old James Paul Fruind. And McDaniel was shocked, right? He's like, wait, it's who? 
You know, he thought it was this couple out of Washington who went missing on, on a boat trip. And it turns out he identified this couple who was murdered in Sumter, South Carolina in a cold case from 1976. Authorities now know the names of a man and woman who were found shot to death off of I-95 way back in August of 1976. We're being told tonight that the man and woman were not related and they apparently met while they were hitchhiking. Sumter County Sheriff Anthony Dennis says the man was from Pennsylvania. The woman was from Wisconsin. And again, I know you mentioned it, but this was just a guy who was doing this in his free time. It wasn't a paid job. He was a volunteer who just took it upon himself to look into this case? He did. He's solved cases before in South Carolina, up in Greenville, a missing elderly man. McDaniel just thought, you know what? I'm going to do this on my own. I'm going to retrace the steps. And and he found, uh, he found that elderly man and gave that family closure. Now, an upstate man who helped with the DNA testing in this case also helped solve a missing persons case in 2019. I believe that probably motivated him to say, you know, um, I need to keep going. Let's try and take this DNA sample of this of this Sumter John and Jane Doe, and at least maybe we this other place in Texas can figure out who they are. And they did. And so it's just within this past couple of weeks then that this breakthrough happened, that this John and Jane Doe were identified. As, as I'm reading the news, I see the headline... You know, man and woman identified after 44 years. And I was surprised. That's why I reached out and wanted to chat with you about this case. But I'm sure the big question all of our listeners are probably impatiently waiting for me to ask is, who were these two people who'd been unidentified for over four decades? What do we know about them now? Gosh, that is probably one of the biggest questions, right? Because we still don't know how they met. We still don't know if they were a couple Sumter County Coroner Robbie Baker told us last week that James Paul Fruin, the man, was married. He had a wife and child in Pennsylvania. The investigators did reach out to his daughter, showed him the picture, and she said, that's my father. You know, she was very young when he left. We don't know much about Pamela Mae Buckley other than she was last seen in Colorado Springs. But uh, again, a, a really interesting clue that investigators found was the both had very expensive dental work done. So they figured that maybe they were well-to-do because of the particular surgeries that they had. But we don't know if they were driving together. We don't know if they were driving their own car. We don't know if they were in someone else's car and were, in fact, hitchhikers. We don't know if maybe they were driving the car together and picked up a hitchhiker who followed them down the dirt road or took him down that dirt road and killed him. We, we just, that is one of the biggest questions is figuring out who this couple was, who this pair was, how they knew each other and where they were going. I, a theory that I saw online, it was actually from Matthew McDaniel's website because he, I failed to mention, he became so interested in this case. He created a webpage about the Sumter John and Jane Doe. Mm. One of the theories he found was, that one of them was wearing a racing shirt that dealt with a particular uh, uh, car race that was happening near the time of August 9th, 1976. So some believe that they were coming from a race in Florida and they were heading up north. 
because the race had happened just days before August 9th. So that's one of the clues as to maybe where they were going. But again, that's just, that's just a theory. Mm. So there are clearly still a lot of questions about these two, what their lives looked like, how they knew each other, as you mentioned. And the answers to all those questions, I'm sure, would go a long ways toward figuring out who the perpetrator of this crime was. What does this recent breakthrough mean for the investigation into that? I think that identifying this pair, 25-year-old Pamela Mae Buckley, 30-year-old James Paul Fruin, gives investigators a leg up or a lead, just a lead. I feel like it's just, when you can't identify these people, it's just a dead end you run into. They couldn't find any leads. And so having this couple identified, they now know, okay, we can shift to this person of interest because we knew maybe this person had something to do with, uh, with a murder situation at the time, but we just couldn't figure out where, you know, where to go from there. So I think that this pair being identified can help solve this case if investigators are correct with this person of interest they're investigating now. We cover a lot of cold cases on this podcast. And every time I see a story like this one, where there's a break in an old case, or in this instance, a decades-old case, to me, it's really a reminder that you never know when a cold case is going to heat up again. And I'm sure this breakthrough in Sumter County is probably serving as a reason for optimism, not only for folks connected to this specific case who might have known the victims, but I'm sure for families of victims in other cold cases who just don't want to give up searching for answers. Is it fair to say that that's why something like the DNA Doe Project exists to help families get that closure? Absolutely. Because once you can help identify someone through the DNA Doe Project, they can put that information into the NamUs database, a website that's created to help families of missing or unidentified people find their loved ones. So the DNA Doe Project really can provide this closure, really can provide this peace to families who, in this case, for example, wait over four decades to figure out what happened to their loved ones. So it is absolutely fair to say that the DNA Doe Project gives hope. And it also, I think, in these cases, it gives hope that private citizens can also play a major role in helping figure out what may appear to be some of the most impossible cases to solve in our country. And Matthew McDaniel, the private citizen or volunteer who help solve this case, as I understand it, is starting a new nonprofit now? So after helping solve two cases of missing people or unidentified people in South Carolina, Matthew McDaniel has some big plans, hoping to start a new nonprofit by the end of 2021 called Missing Link Finder. I want to basically start from scratch. Our mission is going to be to advocate on the behalf of missing persons and unidentified persons. So they have a representative out there working for them. And what he plans to do is gather some of these cold cases, gather some of these missing persons or unidentified persons cases, start from scratch and do the investigation himself. It's a lot of work, but you can probably tell he has a huge passion for it. But he's going to do the interviews himself. He's going to read up on these case files himself and see if he can be led 
in maybe a different direction than our investigators have. So he's hoping to bring closure to many, many more families. And this nonprofit won't just be for South Carolina families. It will be for families across the nation. And I know I was joking with you before we started this interview about saying, hey, we should get this guy on the Zodiac case, all these other high-profile cases with these mysteries like that. But in, in all seriousness, he was able to solve this case that had stumped investigators for over four decades. I imagine you know, he's going to have a lot of success with this new nonprofit. I think so. And a lot of times, it just takes a fresh set of eyes to figure out maybe something investigators didn't see, to maybe think of a different way of looking at this case compared to those who have literally been staring at these case files for decades. That's sometimes all it takes is just a fresh set of eyes. And I wouldn't doubt that Matthew McDaniel would definitely be up for looking at some of these crazy cases that we have, like the Zodiac Killer, things like that, because look at the work he's done already. And he's young. I think he's still in his like late 30s. <laughs> so he, he, has a, he has a lot of work, I think, that he's uh, still planning to do. Alicia Niaves with WLTX in Columbia, South Carolina. Thanks for coming on and sharing the story with us. Thank you, Reed. Thanks, as always, for tuning in to this episode of The Daily Crime. If you like the show, please feel free to do us a quick favor and take 30 seconds right now to leave the show a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It really does help us out. For more from Vault Studios, you can head over to vaultstudios.com. That's all for today. I'll be here tomorrow with another one for Vault Studios. I'm Reed Redmond.